This morning's scripture reading is from Esther chapter 4, verses 9 to 17. Hear the word of the Lord. Hathach went and told Esther what Mordecai had said. Then Esther spoke to Hathach and gave him a message from Mordecai, saying, All the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces know that if any man or woman goes to the king inside the inner court without being called, there is but one law. All alike are to be put to death. Only if the king holds out the golden scepter to someone may that person live. I myself have not been called to come into the king for 30 days. When they told Mordecai what Esther had said, Mordecai told them to reply to Esther, Do not think that if that in the king's palace you will escape any more than all the other Jews. For if you keep silence at such a time as this, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another quarter, but you and your father's family will perish. Who knows, perhaps you have come to royal dignity for just such a time as this. Then Esther said in reply to Mordecai, Go, gather all the Jews to be found in Susa, and hold a fast on my behalf, and neither eat nor drink for three days, night or day. I and my maids will also fast as you do. After that, I will go to the king, though it is against the law, and if I perish, I perish. Mordecai then went away and did everything as Esther had ordered him. The word of the Lord. Well, we are drawing near uh, the end of our series, uh, Hearing God's Call, which is, uh, we've been talking about our vocation as, as followers of Jesus, uh, talking about kind of the broad vocation that all followers of Jesus, all disciples uh, are, are called to. And also looking at how God calls us maybe specifically uh, in different, different times, different circumstances, different situations, uh, with the way that we're wired, the way that we're gifted uh, to meet that call in specific ways. And so far in this series, uh, our stories have really involved some kind of direct interaction or calling with God. Uh, Abraham heard directly from God. Samuel, uh, of course, when he was a child, had to figure out that it was God calling him at first, had to have Eli um, kind of discern what was happening and, and give him some direction. But he was hearing directly from God. In Samuel's uh, adult life, he again is in conversation with God directly as he uh, anoints David, which is this unexpected calling. Um, but he's here, Samuel is hearing directly from God. Uh, we looked at the story of Jonah, and, and Jonah is very clear that he is hearing from God and just chooses to run the 
opposite direction. But again, it's a, a direct hearing from God. So what happens when we don't hear directly from God, when we don't hear audibly God's voice? Um, me, personally, I, I've never heard directly from God. I'm not saying that that can't happen. Uh, I'm just saying that I've never experienced it. I've never heard God's audible voice. And I think, you know, for most of us, uh, we would be really happy to hear God's direct voice. And we would probably say, look, if God called me audibly like that, if I could just see and hear God speak, then I would absolutely follow him. Or if we think back to, uh, you know, another call story that we didn't really uh, talk about, the Moses and the burning bush. You know, if I could see the burning bush and, and hear the voice talk from the bush, absolutely I would respond. Of course, my own experience, um, even when we're pretty clear on what God is calling us to, to do, we often are apprehensive um, to respond well, Esther is really a good example for us uh, of responding to God's call when we don't hear directly from God. God is not even mentioned in the story of Esther. We don't see any reference to uh, how God is, is, is directing this situation. There, there's no reference from, from the author of this story to uh, the Lord or, or to to anyone hearing directly from God. And yet, God's fingerprints are all over this story. And so how do we respond to God's call when we don't hear directly from God? And that's a little bit of what Esther's story helps us uh, get a glimpse of. And so as we take a look into this story and to take a look at how we hear God's call, even if we're not hearing an audible voice, um, as we take a look at that this morning, would you pray with me? God, we trust that you are continuing to call your people, continuing to speak into our lives. If we would just open our ears, open our hearts to the movement of your spirit. You continue to call us into partnership with you and your mission in this world. And so I pray that you would open um, our souls, open our hearts to receive your message this morning. May the words of my mouth, the meditation of our hearts be pleasing to you, O Lord. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, maybe some of you are, are very familiar with the story of Esther, and I know that I've uh, preached on, on this story before. But I do want to give us, just remind us a little bit of an overview of the story of Esther. The setting for this story is in Persia, and, and the Jewish people are in exile. And uh, the king at this time has a, a real fun name uh, to read or to try and pronounce. I'm going to go with King Ahasuerus. Uh, if you want to read Esther and you prefer a different pronunciation for that name, go for it. I'm going to go with Ahasuerus this morning. Uh, he had a party and he asked his, his current wife to perform. And um, 
strange as it may seem, his wife didn't want to become the spectacle of this banquet, and so she refuses to come and dance for the king and for his uh, guests, his, his men guests. And so uh, when she refuses to, to dance and perform and, and kind of be the, the party trick for all of them, uh, the king gets rid of her. And he decides to hold a beauty pageant for the next queen. Um, Esther is a Jew and she is taken to be part of the group and she ends up as the queen. And at this point, the king doesn't even know that she is a Jew. Uh, of course, uh, Persia had a lot of displaced people, a lot of folks in exile when they would conquer uh, different kingdoms. They would often disperse uh, those people to, to new places to live. They would evict them from their homes. Uh, this is kind of part of the way that the Persian Empire dealt with trying to meld everyone into one group. And so the king doesn't know that she is Jewish. Well, Esther's cousin Mordecai, at one point, he's, he's serving the king. He's, he's out um, kind of taking care, watching over the gate. He overhears a plot in which some folks are planning to assassinate the king. And Mordecai goes and, and reports the plot. He saves the king's life. Uh, but in the meantime, there is a, a powerful advisor to the king named Haman who ends up having a, a beef with Mordecai and convinces the king to order the extermination not just of Mordecai but of uh, the Jewish people. Uh, interesting, you know, this, this sermon is coming in, in the wake of Holocaust Remembrance Day, which was last week. Um, Holocaust wasn't the first time uh, that someone has tried to exterminate the Jewish people. It's happening here in the book of Esther. Neither Haman nor the king, again, knows that Esther is a Jew. When, when Haman uh, tries to orchestrate this plot, he's not aware that the queen herself is deeply, deeply impacted by this new order. And so an edict is issued across the kingdom to, to get rid of the Jews. Mordecai reaches out to Esther to speak and to act to save her people. And here's where we pick up this story. Mordecai is weeping and lamenting. He is wearing sackcloth and ashes. He is, is greatly disturbed because this, this edict has gone out across the kingdom that on such and such a day, all of the Jewish people are to be put to death. And so there's this communication between Esther and Mordecai. And Esther reminds her cousin uh, Mordecai that to come before the king without an invitation is potentially cause for execution. We get the, the famous line from Mordecai that is at the heart of this story, that is at the heart of the scripture that we read this morning where he says, Do not think that in the king's palace you will escape any more than all of the other Jews. For if you keep silence at such a time as this, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another quarter, but you and your father's family will perish. Who knows, perhaps you have come to royal dignity for just such a time as this. Here, in this passage... In, in Mordecai's response is Esther's call. This is it. 
No voice from God, no, no mention of God, but I believe Esther is being called by God in this moment. She is being called to live out her vocation in a very specific way. It is a very time-sensitive calling. It needs to happen here and now, and it's, it's, it's up to Esther to act in this moment. Her call, I think, is ultimately from God, but it comes through Mordecai. And her call comes as a result of a terrible, evil situation. Let's just take a, a time out here from looking at the story of Esther. And I want you to, to listen for some of the echoes of, of Esther's story and Esther's call and, and how that is echoed in our lifetime, in, in the situations that we're dealing with, the situations that we're in right now in this moment. Like I said, I've never heard God's audible voice calling. But, but let's look around for a moment and see if any of the tragedies, any of the, the terrible situations are calling us to action. And maybe specifically this ongoing situation with, with COVID and the pandemic and, and all of that. You know, I've asked myself different times throughout all of this and and it seems like I keep resolving this, the, the answer in my mind, and then it goes a couple weeks, and I have to ask the question again, where is God in the pandemic? Different theologians, different pastors, different authors have, have offered their insight in, into uh, this predicament, into this, this question. I've even heard some Christians suggest that the pandemic is a, is a mechanism of God's judgment. Or others uh, offering that it's a sign of the, the end times, uh, which, which also makes me think we've we got to look at our, our end times thinking too. This is not the, the first time that there has been a, a plague or a, or a famine or a social, social unrest. This isn't the first time that the church has been put in a hard situation where it's been forced to make hard calls. It's not the first time I doubt that it's going to be the last time. You know, in the Old Testament, the exile was often seen as judgment. Uh, especially the, the early part of the Old Testament actually makes that pretty clear. That if the Israelites, if, if the people of God, the Hebrews, uh, don't live up to their end of the covenant, uh, God warns them that, that exile is going to be part of the result of them failing to live up to the covenant, failing to live out the commandments, failing to um, pursue God with their heart, soul, mind, and strength. He warns them that exile uh, could happen. And as the prophets begin to process their time in exile, when that happens, when they fail to live up to the covenant and they're, they're exiled from their homeland, the, the prophets start to, to process this start to, to think about it, and they, they, they see how God is calling them and remaking them and actually has a bigger vision for the world. As we move then into the, the New Testament, I'm also reminded of a, a story in John 9. 
uh, where Jesus and the disciples come across a blind man. And, and they know he's been blind from birth. And the, the disciples stop and they want to know a similar question to us right now. We want to know uh, where's God in the pandemic. They ask, Jesus, who's messed up? Who has caused this man to be blind? Is it his own sin or is it the sin of, of his parents, of, of his mother and father? Uh, why is this man blind? And they assume it's a result of God's judgment. But Jesus actually says, look, this isn't about their sin. Rather, this is about an opportunity to reveal God's work through this man's life. This is about the kingdom of heaven coming to bear on the here and the now. This is about new creation beginning to take hold. This is an opportunity for the power of God to be on display. We look at the New Testament and we look at how the, the writers frame the gospel story. We see that Jesus takes the consequences of sin, which is, which is death and, and ultimate exile. Jesus takes those consequences into himself. That is to say that, um, or that's not to say that God never uses situations to discipline or unveil things to his disciples and, and to the church. But we, we also need to be very careful. Uh, and, you know, for me, I, I think I should refrain from not proclaiming any disaster as a sign of God's judgment. Because we live in a, in a broken world and, and uh, people make decisions and there's things that happen and we don't always know why. God's ways are higher than ours. But throughout history, there has there have been lots of tragic situations, natural disasters, plagues, pandemics, wars, unrest throughout human history. And yet the faithful people of God have been with those most at risk. In the New Testament, there are uh, some localized plagues, uh, as well as Jerusalem uh, being threatened and, and then actually destroyed by the Romans. And, and what we see the early church doing is they respond to the call of those situations, of those circumstances, of, of those tragedies. They don't just sit back and, and protect themselves. They, they step out. They, they answer the call of those situations. The early church is, is sharing their property uh, with, and, and taking care of those that have nothing. They're distributing food. They're, they're taking collections. Paul writes to several churches um, and, and tries to take up a collection to care for those that are in need. To reach out to those who are most vulnerable because of the, the plagues or because of uh, the destruction of Jerusalem or, or, or different situations that are happening. Paul is, is trying to uh, call the church to respond. You know, the early church even got a reputation with the Romans as those who would stay behind in the cities to, to care for the sick during plagues, even while the, the rich and the aristocrats uh, of Roman society are, are leaving, uh, the doctors of Roman society, they're getting out of town, uh, 
because they don't want to be overtaken by this plague. It's often Christians who are staying behind and caring for the sick, caring for the poor, caring for those that are, are most vulnerable in the midst of these tragedies. The, the call to act came as a result of the situation. They didn't need uh, to hear directly from God because his vocation for us was made pretty clear in Christ that we are to come alongside those in need, to bring good news of new life, of new creation to those who are uh, sinful, to those who are broken, to those that are poor and needy and outcasts. And so we can ask the question, where is God in the pandemic? And I believe that that question is answered by seeing how God is with the vulnerable. To see how God is reaching out and and doing incredible things with those most impacted by the pandemic. And this is where the church is called to be too. So we go back to the story of Esther. How does she respond to the the situation, to the circumstances, calling her to act? Well, first she calls Mordecai and the Jewish people to fasting and prayer. It's, It's... her calling the folks to, to get on their knees, to, to seek God with their heart, soul, mind, and strength. It's, it's doing the things that, that got them to, their, their failure to do those things is what got them to exile in the first place. And, and so they're praying, they're, they're, they're lamenting, they're, they're searching for God with, with everything that they have. And then she enters into the mess with the people. She identifies with the Jewish people. Uh, she identifies with her own family. Uh, she takes their needs on herself and she goes and intercedes for them on behalf of them with the king. She risks her own life. She doesn't try to save herself or remain quiet. She takes advantage of her position, of her privilege, and she intercedes on behalf of her people. And in this case, she exposes the, the evil plot of Haman. The situation, the circumstances, call Esther to respond, and she hears that call, and she, she steps out. She becomes vulnerable along with her people. It's the right time, it's the right place, Esther is the right person. So we can ask questions like, did, ca- did God cause the, the situation confronting the Jewish people? We can ask questions like, did God cause or, or allow the pandemic? And we should ask How do we respond to the call of this time and this place and this situation? How do we respond to the circumstances confronting us right here and right now?
this week, I, uh, I think it was, um, it was Tuesday afternoon, I got uh, a call um, from uh, Michelle Shepard, our, our, our youth director, uh, with a question. Could Cocoa Packs, um, which is uh, an organization here in Hershey that helps uh, feed uh, underprivileged families, uh, helps get them meals, uh, kids that, that don't have, especially meals during the weekends, uh, helps get them needed resources. And, and Cocoa Packs actually used our facility last spring when, when we were completely closed down. They kind of set up shop here uh, in, the, in the building and were helping to feed those that, that didn't have school lunches, uh, that didn't have other resources. They continued to help provide uh, that needed service to the vulnerable in our own community. And it turned out this past week that Cocoa Packs needed a, a place, again, not just to distribute their, their packs to local neighbors, but to distribute food boxes uh, to a much wider group of people. Uh, Cocoa Packs has actually been doing this the, the last uh, three months uh, of 2020. And during that time, they had distributed over 16,000 boxes of food in the last three months. When they needed a place to go, they asked about using uh, the parking lot at, at Spring Creek again. And you know, it, it's kind of amazing, again, the way that God works without hearing directly from him. I said last week in the sermon, one of our uh, assets, one of the, the, the gifts that we have here at Spring Creek is, is our location and a, a paved parking lot, which you know, often doesn't really sound like much. But you know, Coco Pack said, hey, we've worked with this group before. We've worked at this place before. We wonder if they'd be open to doing this again. And so um, Michelle and uh, Karen, uh, these, these women kind of made phone calls and sent emails and... Um, Wednesday morning, Cocoa Packs was here in the parking lot distributing food like that. So these, these folks responded to God's call uh, in a very time-sensitive way to, to answer God's call, to, to answer the call of the situation and the moment. When I came to the office on, on Wednesday, there were boxes uh, of produce and, and food supplies and crates of milk and all kinds of stuff. And, and I'm, I'm going to try and get some, uh, Michelle took some, some video and, and, and we're going to try and show that at, at a, different, a different Sunday. And we're also going to try and um, when there's those groups of people that are here, um, kind of let you see what's, what's happening here at Spring Creek and, and how this facility is being used. Um, it's also a heads up that if you try and show up here at the facility on Monday or Wednesday, especially late afternoon, there could be quite a line of people through the parking lot who are, are getting this food. Um, so you, you can come in, park in the middle, um, but just a heads up, there could be quite a few number of people showing up. So for the next three months, on Monday and Wednesday from about 8 a.m. to 6.30 p.m., Cocoa Packs is going to be in the Spring Creek parking lot. Um, 
I'm also sure that they could use more volunteers. Uh, you can go to their website and find out more information about the programs uh, and also find ways of volunteering. Um, they've got a lot more food than what they usually are, are distributing, and, and they're going to have trucks. They're not keeping any of that food here in the building. They've, they've got trucks that bring that in, and so they need help distributing that. It's a, it's a drive-through food distribution that will be happening in the church parking lot. These folks were in the right time, at the right place. They were the right people to respond in that moment. There continue to be situations around us caused by the pandemic. The, the sickness, the, the anxiety and the frustration and and all kinds of emotions that we're, we're sensing as we continue to deal with changes in, in work, in, in um, activities. Uh, you know, we're looking forward to the, to the end of the month when we can regather here in uh, the sanctuary at Spring Creek. Uh, but there continue to be all these things that are in flux right now. You know, my, my own kids, whether they're going to school, whether they're not going to school, I, we were talking this morning here in the sanctuary about, you know, every time I get an email from our district, you know, for a moment, I'm a, a little panicked. Are they, are they going to school? Are they not going to school? Is it because of the weather? Is it because of positive cases? All of that stuff. These situations call us to respond. How will we answer God's call even if it's not hearing God's audible voice? The time, the place, the situations call us as the church, call us as followers of Jesus to respond. Will we hear God's call and will we step forward? Will we put ourselves at risk? Will we minister to those most vulnerable in this time? These times and places continue to call us. And like Abraham, we need to respond in faith and faithfulness. Like Samuel, we need to, to learn to tune our hearts and tune our ears and respond to God's call. Like David, uh, the vocation can come in unexpected ways in unexpected people. And like Esther, the, the time and place and situations we face call us to respond to enter into the mess with the vulnerable. The last 12 months have exposed a lot of different vulnerable people and systems in our world. And unlike Jonah, let us not run away from God's call. Let us speak and live the good news of Jesus Christ faithfully. And now may we learn to tune our ears to hear God's call. May we live in faith and faithfulness to God's call. And may we all live out our God-given vocation each and every day. Grace and peace be with you. Have a great week, Spring Creek.